Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media here for this week's Embedded Executive Podcast. This week, my Embedded Executive is, is Pat Kowalik. He is the North American Automotive Principal Field Applications Engineer. Hello, Pat, how are you? I'm doing fine, thanks, Rich. So the reason I brought you on here, I saw something from Vicor um, that said, better EV electrification is addition by subtraction. First of all, is that true? Second of all, what the heck does that mean? Well, Rich, that is a good question. And I want to thank you for having me on your podcast. So let me go a little bit in detail here. Your traditional vehicle that we have today, which could be an ICE engine, has your traditional 12-volt battery, lead-acid battery. But now going to the automotive <clears throat> platform, like a full BEV vehicle, what we're seeing is we're seeing some manufacturers go with a brand new design and some trying to re-architect they have and using multiple batteries in the same vehicle. There could be a 12-volt battery and a high-voltage battery. That could be 400 volts, 800 volts. So we understand why to, you know, some OEMs would want to continue with the 12 volt battery, but does it really make sense to have that weight, to have that maintenance, to have that warranty with the vehicle? Why not just power off the 800 volt battery or 400 volt battery with a DC-DC converter to power up all your accessory loads, your 12 volt loads? saving space, saving parts in the in, in electric vehicle. So it's, it's kind of more of a um, new paradigm when you're looking at a new platform for a full electric vehicle. Is there a reason why somebody would want to use that? God, I, those batteries are so old and I, I, it boggles my mind that we haven't come up with something better than a 12 volt lead acid battery, but is, is there a reason that somebody would want to continue to use that? Yes, there is. People would want to use the 12 volt battery because it is a legacy design. They feel comfortable with it. They don't want to take a risk. And a lot of safety aspects of the car, that could be maybe the brakes or the steering, are maybe part of the 12 volts because engineers are going to feel comfortable powering off the 12 volts. They have experience. They have years of data of powering off the 12 volts, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily the right way of doing it. If you are looking at a brand new architecture, such as a BEV, why not use a DC-DC converter that has far superior electrical characteristics, can be scalable, can be placed in different areas of the vehicle and support the load. So maybe the question should have been, is there a good reason why somebody would still want to use that 12-volt battery. One of the good reasons for using a 12-volt battery is a lot of the accessories which are already designed and have driven the cost down in a particular vehicle can be reused. What we're saying is, okay, that's fine. Reuse that particular windshield wiper motor or rear defroster. But the way you deliver power should change. We don't need a 12-volt battery or you know, something like a lead acid or lithium ion battery on the 12 volts, use a DC-DC converter, which has a very faster transfer response, is scalable, 
can be set up as a redundant power supply to power those particular loads. Aren't there cost reasons though? I mean, I'm assuming that this technology is so old, it has to be cheap. That is correct. The, the cost, if you look at the cost, there's different aspects of the cost. One is the battery cost. Okay, there's an X amount that you're gonna pay for the battery. But what happens in two years when the battery fails? You have to go to a dealership, you have to get that car replaced. And we really don't know what the cost is for the image of the vehicle, of the manufacturer, when that particular battery goes down. Why not use a DC-DC converter, which is going to be very comparable to the cost of a battery in the vehicle? Okay. There's there's some trade-offs, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask. We know there's no such thing as a free lunch. What's the downside? What are those trade-offs? Well, the downside is, you know, you are going to have to have to be powered off the high voltage battery. So you need to split off your source, the way you draw power from the battery. You, you have to have your traction motor, obviously. And then you have to have your, your standard loads, you know, power seats or um, heated seats, things like that. And then you have to have a third channel, which are going, is going to be for safety. Your steering, your braking, your lights, those should be on a third source off the battery. So in an event that there isn't an accident, yes, cut off the power that you need to from the high voltage battery, but that third leg that supplies the power <clears throat> to the critical systems, leave those on and do have monitoring on those so things don't go in the wrong direction. Okay, you brought up safety in, indirectly, I, I guess. Um, what are the safety issues associated with running at these really high voltages? There is always a safety aspect in running from the high voltage. However, the converter is going to have isolation from the input to the output, from the input to the case. So the user would not get shocked on a, on a particular DC-DC converter. These converters are not new to the market. They've been out there for many, many years. Using Vicor's um, reliability for a DC-DC converter, OEM should feel very confident that this particular converter will work for many years in their system. Okay. We know that the automakers are very slow to adapt, although it is getting better. It used to be seven years. Now I think it's closer to three years. What needs to happen to get them to actually change this technology? You're right, Rich. What we see is we see the OEMs, the traditional OEMs out there want to reuse what they have, but there are other manufacturers which are coming into play who are looking at this in a different viewpoint and kind of setting the bar for others to follow. Your, your traditional OEMs out there be like, hey, we have somebody else out of California doing something different. Maybe we should rethink this. You know, So it's a different way of looking at it. When you've been doing a car for the last 50 years in a certain way, it's hard to change. Okay, but there it, just because you've been doing it for so many years doesn't mean it's right. Maybe there's something better out there. Yep, agreed. Are you adding to the code base within the car, which we know is huge already? Yes, we are. We are adding uh, to the code base in which 
there has to be some control over the DC-DC converter. There has to be some monitoring regarding temperature voltage if something is not going right or preventive maintenance. I mean, if you do have, let's say, a cooling pump that is not working properly and you do see the temperature going rising up, it's a signal that, hey, something needs to be looked at. It's not a lot of code that has to be added, but absolutely, if you want to have control, if you want to have feedback, if you want to have a good user experience, code has to be added. But however, you've also just introduced another point of hacking. Um, is that something that's under your purview or is, is that not your responsibility? That's not really our responsibility. I mean, our coding is pretty deep inside the DC-DC converter. You'd have to go pretty deep in there to understand how we do our coding, which is actually different than what an OEM would do. So the OEM has the CAN bus that would communicate to us. There's not that much that you can control on the DC-DC converter. You can control the output voltage. You can control the enable, disable. I don't see that being a problem, but I would defer that to the OEM on, on the uh, security aspect. Okay. So looking into your crystal ball, when do you see this shift occurring? I see this shift really in the close uh, horizon. I would say within the next three years, we should see two to three OEMs introduce this particular technology on some select cars, not across the board, but test it out, you know, because they do, like you said, Rich, they do move slowly. So they would want to test this on one particular model, maybe one specific uh, version of their car to see how it would run out. And I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised and it will be adapted throughout the entire product line. Okay. Are you at liberty to name names? We, we would love to name some names, but we are uh, governed under NDA. We are working right now with two out of the three OEMs out of Detroit. We have a very good collaboration in um, Asia and also in China. So we're working with, in Europe, we're, we're working with multiple OEMs in the US, two main OEMs, both looking at this particular technology. That is pretty exciting and I'm, I am looking forward to it. Well, thank you very much, Pat. That was Pat Kowalik. He is the North American Automotive Principal FAE for Vicor, and I am Rich Nass with Open Systems Media. You have a great day. Thanks, Rich. You too.